0: Happy Friday, everybody. Every Friday is a Friday over here on the Inspired Women podcast. Although that does not always mean that the topics are like, yay, and exciting. Sometimes they're pretty deep. Actually, some of the topics that I have spoken about on the podcast have offended people, very much so. And I just believe I must be doing my job, right? If I'm offending people, I'm just very outspoken about how I feel, and I'm very much for equality and not discriminating against people because of who they are, like their race, religion, uh, socioeconomic background, you know, gender identity, sexual preference, whatever it is, like, you know, unless those people are hurting people or doing harm to themselves, like, Let them be or hurting animals. Like, I don't mean in the way, you know, where you're hurting animals because you're eating them, but I mean like abusing animals. Like, that's something I just cannot get behind. I'm sorry, but, and if that offends you, you might as well not listen to the podcast. But, anyways, I digress. Today's topic is also going to be a heavy one. It was actually inspired by Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain both committing suicide in the same week. And I shared a little bit on my Facebook page, Megan Hall, about my, my journey with suicide. I have this tattoo on my right wrist. It is a semicolon because semicolon is when somebody could have ended their sentence, but they chose not to. Well, the semicolon project started because it is to represent somebody could have chosen to end their life. But they didn't. And sometimes it is somebody end of their life, but it's for suicide awareness, just overall. And I got this as a gentle reminder that I'm still here and I need to continue to put myself first and make myself a priority so that I don't get there again. I have struggled with depression as long as I can remember since I was a young girl, which is hard to believe that a child could struggle with depression, but I did. I would often not want to be around people and just want to shut up inside myself. Books were my escape. They were my way when I was a child that if I was depressed to just shut out the world and, you know, kind of come to myself, find find myself sort of thing. So books were always an escape for me as a young child. I would, we lived on 50 acres of land and I would just take a book and wander the woods by myself and find a place and just read and read and read. I remember just... Nature was bomb for my soul, like I would just want to wander around all the time. So I'm the first time I ever had suicidal ideation was when my parents divorced, or they split up, they were not officially divorced at the time, and my sister and I moved to Florida with our dad. And as a child, a divorce, that was something that, you know, I should have gotten help, I, looking back I'm like you know I should have been in therapy like my parents are married for 13 years it was it was a hard hit it really was and I remember like I was going to cut my wrist I, that's what I was gonna do I knew because of like I don't know if it was a news article or back then we didn't really get on the internet much but I had learned heard the right way to do it I put that in quotation marks and it It was either my sister or a friend of mine that knocked on the door and that's what stopped me. Um, So that was my very first time and when I lived in Florida with my dad, there were many, many, many times like that. I was raped uh, by somebody when I lived in Florida with my dad and I remember laying on my bed, like listening to Lincoln Park, just crying and just wanted everything to end Like I just, there was so, my first suicidal ideations came because there was so much pain and I didn't know how to process that pain and it hurt so bad. And I just felt like things would be better off if I just wasn't around. And the next time that I had suicidal ideations, I was in college. And I remember I went to my primary care physician and I do not recommend you get mental health medication from your primary care physician because they are not trained in mental health you should be going to a psychiatrist because they are trained in that and they can test to see and they they know how to monitor you they know all of those things so please 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 don't go to your mental health or your primary care physician for mental health um prescriptions and i learned the hard way like i went to my doctor and she just gave me a pill because it's good for depression right she didn't monitor me she didn't do any testing she didn't do anything and It actually made my suicidal ideation worse to where I remember holding a knife to my throat in college and I just won. I just, it was, it was out of control. Like, I couldn't control myself. I couldn't control the thoughts that were going through my mind and I just felt very out of control. I've never been a big drug person because I don't like being that out of control of my body. Like even when I'm drinking, I don't like to get to that point where I've, I'm no longer in control and I feel like this alter ego of mine is in control. <laughs> I like to get a good buzz though because that's nice. But I remember there were times when I was in college, even when I wasn't on the depression medication, I'd lay in my, my bathtub and I just want to die. And of course, alcohol is a depressant and alcohol was the way that I dealt. Like my coping mechanism for dealing with how I was feeling and all these things I didn't know how to do. And it was just a very awful, awful experience. I can't explain how awful of an experience. And I just, that was the, that was the time that I started to think like, I just ruin everything. I ruin everybody's lives. I always am hurting people. I'm always doing really shitty things. Like, I just need this to stop. This is getting out of control. And the only way I thought I could stop myself is by ending it all, which of course I know now is not the truth. And I went a long time without suicidal ideation, many years until those same feelings started rising up again. And I still didn't have the tools or ways to deal with it. And my last time I had suicidal ideation, I almost succeeded. I almost succeeded Luckily, my husband was around. I remember the night before, uh, we had gone to his 10-year class reunion. And afterwards, it was kind of like not really fun. So afterwards, we got together with some friends. And I literally drank a whole bottle of vodka to myself. Literally did. Um, Because I was very uncomfortable. And alcohol was my way of coping. Like if I was uncomfortable, all things I'm very well aware of now. But then I wasn't. And I drank a whole bottle of vodka, blacked out vomited all over myself apparently and I woke up in the chair in my living room like in my underwear and thinking what the hell happened and my husband was so embarrassed and he was talking to me about like I can't believe you did this like like this is so embarrassing now I have to go clean up their couch because you vomited all over it and blah, blah 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 and of course he didn't know the state of being I was in and so he didn't know how his words were just feeding into that part of me that was like The world would be better off without me. My family would be better off without me. My husband would be better off without me. If I just wasn't here, if I wasn't part of the equation, everybody would be better off without me. And so I remember getting in the shower and crying and I had, I had my plan. I knew what I was going to do. I was going, we had enough medication in the house that, I mean, I could have killed several people with it and that's what I was going to do. And I was going to take it and I was just going to end it. And it wasn't so much ending my pain. I just felt literally like, I felt like my husband was just with me because he felt bad. And I just felt like my kids just had me a mom because they don't have a choice. But if I wasn't around and everybody would have a choice, like, my mom could have a better daughter because I wouldn't be around, right? My sister could have a better sister because I wouldn't be around. Like my husband could have a better wife because I wouldn't be around. My children could have a better mom because I wouldn't be around. Like I felt like that person inside who was just like, you ruin everything and you mess with everything. And why are you here? And why are you doing these things? That person was speaking very loudly, like screaming inside my head. And so luckily for me, my husband um stopped that from happening he prevented it he looked at me and he, i'll never forget the look in his eyes like this man who you could just see the hopelessness inside of his eyes like he didn't know what to do and he just like i need you to get help like i need you to get help we need you and we need you to get help and he convinced me to go to counseling for the first time ever. And it was the best thing that has ever happened to me. It's the best thing that could have happened. You know, it, it was the thing that, that saved me and it's made me who I am today. That was like five years ago that that happened. And over the last five years, I've learned and I've grown and I've become a better person. And I continue to learn and grow. I mean, I'm definitely not fully healed I don't believe that there's a cure. There's just things I've learned how to cope with my depression. Good coping mechanisms, like things that actually help me, not hurt me. You know, and I'm very aware. I'm not a hundred percent. There's definitely times that I struggle, and I'm still working on that all the time. But I think the common misconception is is that suicide is selfish, or that you know the person is doing it because. They're only thinking of themselves. Many times they're not thinking of themselves. They just think the world would be better off without them. Like I know most people I've talked to that has be- have been in that place have thought the same thing, that the world would be better off without them. And I think a lot of times we see people that are happy, healthy, look successful, and we think, oh, they, they must not struggle. They, they must be fine. Well, a lot of times when you've dealt with depression or anxiety or any kind of mental illness most of your life, you have learned how to look okay on the outside but the inside is just a hot mess. Even now, unless you're like super close to me, you really don't know when I am struggling because I've gotten really good at faking it and looking perfectly fine. And I'm still in therapy. I'm still working on that. Hell, I'm becoming a therapist for two different reasons. One, because I find that my clients all have something underlying that I think not qualified to help them with yet and I feel like I could help them even more if I could help them with those things which are usually like you know mental health related not all but most clients and then also because I want to understand myself better and understand how to help myself better and I feel like the best way to learn is to do right and while I'm helping other people I'll learn and do more and more for myself but the big thing is is I don't want anybody out there thinking like and being ashamed of their mental health struggles. You need to seek out a professional, a mental health professional, not your doctor, You're not your primary care physician, a mental health professional. That's, a, you need, like, that has got to be necessary. I wish they would make it illegal for your primary care physician to give you mental health medication because they're just not trained in that. They, they just aren't. <laughs> the mind and body, yes, they work together, but they're very different. And seeking out therapy is huge. Also taking care of yourself, not just mentally, but physically and emotionally too. And removing those things that are just making you worse, right out of your life, whether they be relationships or habits or things like that. And it's not going to happen overnight. I mean, it's gonna take a long time but five years from now, you'll be in a much better place than you are right now. And if you know somebody who's struggling, the best thing you can do is support them and not shame them and not try to stigmatize them. Don't force them to do something they don't want to do, but support them and encourage them to use the tools that they need to do. And let them know that they're not hopeless and helpless, that that Does not have to be the answer. Like, suicide does not have to be the answer. And I was really upset with some of the comments and posts I saw on social media about suicide after, you know, Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain, even from mental health professionals, that I'm just like, how could you work with people in this level and say those things? I was just like shocked and I was really upset. And I was really upset about the kind of people who have never experienced mental health struggles and were being really judgmental. Like, unless you've been there, you just have no idea what it's like. You know, one woman made a comment about like, I could never do that to my children. Yeah, I could never do that with my kids in my house. But if my kids weren't in my house, I it's totally possible. Like, I used to think that it was selfish. I used to think I could never do that until I was there, right? Even like after me being a teenager, and the first times I had suicidal ideations, I still thought that I could never do it. But I mean, then I could. (laughs) So what I'm trying to say is stop being, stop feeling ashamed of how you're feeling. Seek out professional help. And if you aren't the one struggling, but you have people in your life that are struggling, please, please support them. Please encourage them. Check on them. Even that friend that seems okay, but you know has those struggles, check on them. If you haven't heard from them in a while, or if their behavior seems kind of erratic and different, check on them. Like, seriously, and don't shame them, support them, encourage them to get the help that they need, encourage them to talk to somebody. Like, there's nothing to be ashamed of here. One in four people in the United States will experience mental illness every year. And I think they said like 75 or 80% of people in in, in their lifetime will experience it at least once. So, All right, guys, I'm sorry for bringing you down a little bit, but this topic is super important, and I hope that you will join us in the Inspired Women community. We want to support you, and we want to help you be the best version of yourself. So I hope you guys have an absolutely fabulous day, and I'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Inspired Women podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, share this out with your friends and family, and join us in the Inspired Women community on Facebook. I'll catch you next week.